This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We may have some of you watching today for the very first time. And I want to welcome you and thank you for taking the time to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We have many people who tell us that they watch every time we come on the air. We're on the air not only at, uh, at night, but we're on the air early in the morning as well. And, uh, and we have people to tell us they watch it both times. Well, we appreciate that. It's an encouragement to know there's still people in our world who are interested in what God has to say in His Word. Now today on our telecast, we're going to discuss a subject that ought to be of concern to each and every one. It ought to be one of the most interesting topics we could ever discuss. We want to talk about the death of Jesus Christ. I hope you'll stay tuned. Now on our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize the course is free. It will cost you nothing. And we want you to have it. Someone says, now wait a minute, Brother Lambert, because wh wh what about the fine print in this offer? When, when I get the course, won't there really be something that tells me that I will owe you something for this course? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's free. Everything that we offer on getting to know your Bible is free. The course, any CDs, if you request those, they're free. Anything that you receive from us is absolutely free. We want you to have it and that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314 Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received, in which you stand by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He arose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. The death of Jesus Christ upon a Roman cross marks the central point in the history of mankind. When Jesus cried out from that cross and said, It is finished that marked the completion of a long series of events that had taken place 
according to the divine guidance of God. The death of Jesus on that cross was not an accidental death. He, he did not even die the death of a martyr. But the day that Jesus Christ died upon that cross, God's plan from eternity was being carried out. On the day of Pentecost, when the apostle Peter preached to the multitude gathered there, he was talking about the death of Jesus in Acts 2 and verse 23 when he wrote, or rather when he said, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. You see, the death of Jesus was not an accident. It was according to God's determinate counsel. The death of Jesus Christ was in God's mind from the foundation of the world. In the book of Revelation, chapter 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ is described as being a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Fact is, there's never been a time that God did not have the death of Jesus Christ in his mind. In Genesis, the third chapter, in the very beginning of the Bible, in the early morning of time, God made a promise that he was going to deal with the problem of sin in this world. And this is what he said, I will put amnity between thee and the woman, but between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You see, God was promising that he was going to deal a mortal blow to the old devil. And Jesus Christ came into this world through the seed of woman, and he died upon the cross of Calvary for the sins of the whole world. The death of Jesus Christ on that cross was fulfilled. There had been prophecies made in the Old Testament such as the prophecy of Isaiah in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he died upon that cross for the sins of all humanity. The death of Jesus Christ was, was, is prominent in the New Testament. Someone has said that if all the three and a half years of his public ministry had been written as fully as the last three days, we would have a life of Christ of some 8,400 pages. Uh, one su man suggested that the, the death of Jesus Christ is mentioned directly 175 times in the Bible, in the New Testament. 7,959 verses are found in the New Testament. 
Thus, if the death of Jesus is mentioned 175 times, one out of every three of every 53 verses, then would refer to the death of Christ. So his death is prominent in the New Testament. And I know this, his death is essential to our salvation. And John the third chapter in verse 14, the Bible says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God's soul of the world. That, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world for what purpose? He sent him into the world for the purpose of saving the world. Someone says, but you know, Brother Lambert, we live in the 21st century. We live in, the, in this year now, so many years removed from the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why should we be thinking about the death of Jesus today? Well, remembering his death keeps us from drifting away from him. Let, let me read to you from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love, for if these things be in you and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. We don't ever want to forget about the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins. But there are a lot of false ideas that people have about the death of Jesus. False concepts. So some say his death was an accident like an automobile accident. It was not an accident. His death was a fulfillment of prophecy as I mentioned earlier from Isaiah chapter 53. Another prophecy about Jesus in the Old Testament would be Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1. In that day... There shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Well, why would that fountain be open? For sin and for uncleanness. And there indeed is a fountain that is filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's manes and sinners that are plunged beneath that flood lose all of their guilty stains. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, uh, Jesus Christ is predicting his death. And he said, Get behind me, Satan, speaking to Peter. You are an offense to me, 
for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciple, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in glory, the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each man according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the, king, the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. His death was not an accident. Jesus died for a specific purpose. And He died for you and He died for me. And we're to take up His cross and we're to follow after Him. That is the cross of self-denial and the cross of carrying out His will. Some claim that he died a martyr. That, that's not so. The fact is, Jesus Christ could have prevented his death. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, Jesus uh, was praying to his Father in heaven. And Jesus could have called upon legions of angels to have delivered him. 72,000 he could have. Or even more than that. But he did not. Some say God could have saved man uh, another way. Well, if he, he could have saved man another way and he allowed his son to die on the cross, that would make God a demon. But he could not save man another way. Why didn't he choose another way? The reason being he needed a perfect sacrifice. And that perfect sacrifice, that sinless perfect uh, sacrifice, was that of his son. Hebrews chapter 4 and 15 says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted at all points, listen to this part of it now, yet without sin. So all kinds of ideas about why Jesus died. But he died willingly. Why did he die? Well, he died to fulfill Old Testament predictions. In Matthew 5 and 17, Jesus said, Think not that I'm come to destroy the law. Well, he didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. And he indeed did fulfill the law. Look over in Luke, the 24th chapter, and in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things, not some of the things, not a few of the things, but all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus Christ said the things you find in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me those are the things that had to be fulfilled. The fact of the matter is that the New Testament emphasis is on, the, on Jesus Christ is the one who fulfilled those Old Testament prophecies and predictions. 
You might recall in Acts the 8th chapter that there was a Phil, an evangelist by, by the name of Philip who was called to the chariot side of a man from Ethiopia. And when he was called to his chariot side, he saw the man from Ethiopia was reading from the Old Testament. Now, if we were to go to the place in the Old Testament where he was reading, the way our English Bibles are divided by chapters and verses, we would go to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And the Bible says in Acts 8, 35, that he started in the scripture that this man was reading. He began at the same scripture, that is from Isaiah 53, and he preached unto him Jesus. You see, he was taking this prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, and when he did, he preached Jesus Christ. Now, I repeat, the emphasis of the New Testament is on Jesus Christ is the one who fulfilled the prophecies and predictions of the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 28, it says, For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. How did he do that? Showing from the Scriptures, that would be the Old Testament Scriptures, that Jesus is the Christ. Why did Christ die? He died to fulfill Old Testament predictions and prophecies. He also died to take away the law. In the book of Colossians, in the second chapter of Colossians, and in verse 14, Paul wrote, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary, that Old Testament law given by Moses was blotted out, taken out of the way. And that was not uh, something that had not been predicted by Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, and in verse 31, that the Lord would give a new covenant to the house of Israel, to the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that he made with the fathers when he took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, which covenant he break. And so that was something that was expected. God had predicted that Jesus Christ would die to give the New Testament. Now, someone says, well, what does that really mean? That simply means that when Jesus shed his blood, he did away with the Old Testament. Someone says, does that mean, Brother Lambert, you don't believe the Old Testament? I believe every word of the Old Testament. But it had served its purpose. In Galatians, the third, third chapter, in verse 19, Paul asked this question, Wherefore then serveth the law? That's, that is the law of Moses. And he says, it was added because of transgression. Well, how long would they have it? Till the seed should come. And in the 16th verse of that chapter, he identifies that seed that would come as being none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he identified that as Christ as the seed that would come. The law was given 
until Jesus Christ would come into the world. And then after he came, he died on the cross and blotted out that Old Testament law. In Galatians, the third chapter and verse 24, for example, he said the law was a schoolmaster to do what? To bring us to Christ. Well, why would he bring us to Christ? So we might be justified by faith. But, but after that, faith has come, and it is now in faith in Christ. We're no longer under the schoolmaster. But what was the schoolmaster? The law. So now that faith has come, in faith in Christ has come, we're no longer under the law. We're no longer under that schoolmaster. And so today, we're not under that law. Jesus died to do away with it. Third, Jesus Christ died on that cross to seal the New Testament, to give the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 26 and in verse number 28, there Jesus said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You see, when Jesus died, Jesus died not only to take away the old, he died to seal or to ratify the New Testament. And it was ratified by blood. Very likely, many that are watching the telecast right now have already made out your last will and testament. And the only time that your will will ever be of any benefit to anyone or that will ever be carried out and put into effect it is after you die. And so it is with the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me now to Hebrews, the ninth chapter and verse 15. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Now back in Matthew 26 and, 20, and verse 28, he said he shed his blood for the new covenant. So this says he is the mediator of the new covenant. Somebody says, well, what is that new covenant? Well, if there is a new covenant, then there is an old covenant. The old covenant was given by Moses. That's called Moses' law, the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, the Jewish law. And the new covenant is given by Jesus Christ. Now let's continue to read. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant, how does he give that? By means of death. The new covenant would not be given until he died for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. Jesus shed his blood for all mankind. The fact is all cleansing from sin, all forgiveness of sins hinges upon the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we continue to read that those who are called may receive the promise of, of the inter eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. When you make out your last will and testament, you have your testament, then your testament is not effective. It's not carried out. Your wishes are not carried out until your death. Then in verse 17, for our testament is in force 
after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. See, while you're alive, you could change your last will and testament. You could change it every day if you wanted to. I, I doubt the wisdom of doing that, but you could do that. But you see, once you die, well, whatever you have written down in your will, the stipulations in your will, the wishes you have in your will, that's when they will be carried out. And it was when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary that his will went into effect. That explains a lot of things for us. Sometimes people say, well, what about the thief on the cross? The thief lived and died under the Old Testament law. He was never subject to the New Testament law. He was never subject to the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And all of the blessings of salvation that we receive today are not upon the conditions laid out in the Old Testament. It's the conditions that are laid out in the New Testament. For example... Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Someone says, do you believe the thief was saved? I, I'm not going to question whether he was saved or not. Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But you see, the thief was not subject to the command of Jesus Christ in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved because that command was not enforced until the one who made the will and testament died. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are different today because you and I live in the New Testament age. We live this side of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we need to obey Jesus today, His last will and testament. Why did He die? Jesus died to make possible the church. There would not be a church without Jesus Christ. In Acts 20, 28, the Holy Spirit said, Take heed unto yourselves. And Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. And that was just the church of the Lord. And it began on the day of Pentecost. Jesus Christ shed His blood to purchase the church. And what a privilege it is today to be a member of that blood-bought institution called the church. And inasmuch as Jesus died for it, it belongs to Him. In Matthew 16, 18, He said, I will build my church. He did not say churches. He said, my church. It's His. Jesus died for you and me. I want to thank you for watching. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>